hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator. All right, welcome back to the next episode of the BC Law Just Law Podcast. We're joined today by Professor Farman and uh, Ali Shafi, who's a 1L, uh, to talk about something that's been in the news uh, pretty heavily lately in the city of Boston, which has been uh, Mayor Michelle Wu uh, recently, and a couple of uh, a couple of hot topics. Number one, the North End restaurant owners. This has been uh, sort of a controversy in the last uh, month or so with respect to outdoor dining, North End restaurant owners being uh, fine to, 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 you know, continue to do outdoor dining. This is something that, you know, during COVID has been, uh, been pretty popular among a lot of restaurants who've, uh, suffered pretty mightily. And so of course the, the fine has engendered some controversy as well as another issue, uh, an ordinance that, uh, has curtailed protests. Of course, Mayor Wu, particularly early, um, you know, in her, ter- in her term at her, at her house was, uh, you know, somebody who, uh, was at the scene of many protests, people coming early in the morning and uh, making their, uh, their their unpleasantries pretty clear. And we kind of want to talk about the legal and, and, and policy side of some of those issues. So Professor Farman's joining us uh, today to talk about that. Uh, Professor Farman joined the BC Law Faculty as an assistant professor of law in 2017. He teaches and writes in the areas of local government law, legal history, constitutional law, the legal profession, civil rights, and property. Uh, professor Farman, how are you? Doing well. Great. Uh, so Glad we to be want- here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we just want to start uh, with, with this outdoor dining situation. So as I understand it, you know, you've had during COVID, you know, people had a social distance, you had to spread out. A lot of these restaurants are very small. Uh, they've really taken a hit financially. And so a solution uh, for the last couple of years has been to, you know, let people have their, their tables outside, you know, extend into the into the sidewalk and into the street to be able to make up, um, you know, lost revenue. That's been something that's been popular for, for diners. It's been popular uh, for restaurant owners, obviously. Um, but according to the mayor, it's been pretty unpopular among people who live in the North End. And so you've had this policy of uh, you know, having to pay a fee to continue to do that. It's been uh, controversial. What, what what can you tell us about that? Because it seems a lot more complicated than uh, you know the the things you hear hurled when you're when you're walking down uh, down Hanover Street. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, there's a couple a couple things to say. I think maybe it, it's important to start off with a um, that we take for granted certain things that the state provides, and we think of them as uh, as things that are free. Uh, but in fact, they're not. So, uh, for instance, um, we frequently think of streets as a thing we own, that they're a thing that we have a right to. Uh, sidewalks are a thing we own, that we have a right to. So, you know, in my neighborhood, they just built a bike lane. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of protest about you're taking our streets from us. Right. Right. Um, but that's not actually how it works. Right. Streets are actually a subsidy for cars. Mm-hmm. Sidewalks are a way of helping people move through space, but they're a thing paid for by the city. Um, and so all of those things are, are public goods, right? And so the question for any local government is going to be, how do we, who do we let use the public goods and how? Well, so we have driver's licenses, right? We have, um, and we have, uh, you know, parking permits and all, so all, there's a whole network of ways in which we restrict or, uh, regulate access to these public goods, right? And so as I understand what's going on in the North End, um, the, it's an it's basically an application of a licensing regime. So the city of Boston says, here's how under here are the conditions under which you can use our sidewalks, use our streets, right? And that's always true. Here are the conditions under which you can use our sidewalks, use our streets. Outdoor dining for a long time was 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 they they said because they wanted to for the reasons you suggest they wanted to make it easier for people to for the restaurants to survive. They said do do outdoor dining. We want you to use our streets this way. The problem is it has costs, 
right? And so you mentioned the costs of the of the local residents complaining. I think that's a big piece of it. I think you do have a real clash here between the businesses and the local residents, and that's in the north end. That's always been a clash. Right? right. It's always been a clash. Right. But I think more broadly, you have a there's just a cost to outdoor dining, which is a cost in in sanitation, a cost in rodent prevention. We have a like rodent infestation in the city right now, and it's especially bad around restaurants. And so there are costs to the city to to maintaining the public spaces. So the sidewalks are not the restaurants don't own the sidewalks. The restaurants don't own the street. Those are public goods, mm-hmm. and the city is restricting access to those public goods in the ways that it's just completely normal local government behavior mm-hmm. to say when you want to use something, you have to pay for it, or here are the conditions under which you can use it. So, mm-hmm. in in that legal sense, it's uncontroversial, yeah. right? It's a, this is a this is a, an application of a licensing regime. Mm-hmm. So go, going to the fine, there's this sort of seventy five hundred dollar fine, which uh, it's not cheap. Uh, but is this a situation where the, the the city is trying to you know sort of use that fine to pay for some of those expenses that you named, or is this more of a sanction, more of a slap on the wrist to try to disincentivize North End restaurant owners from doing something that seems like creates some issues, like you were referring to? So as I understand it, it is, uh, and you know, this is a we're actually in a second iteration of this. There was initially the seven the seven the seventy five hundred dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not sure fine. I think fee was the term they used. Say it open potato. Uh, I'm not actually. I'm not sure that's well. Potato, potato. If you're a true, if you truly believe that all money is the same, I think mm-hmm. lots of people would say it's different. If you give, if you charge me a fee for access to something versus mm-hmm. you punish me for doing something, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of law that like right. built on yeah. that distinction, right? So, but 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 I, I, let's consider it. I think a fee is the way that I would understand it because ultimately we're talking about the use of a public good and the and fee for the use of public good. As I understand it, in the second iteration that's gone back, there was a there was a conversation. Between some of the stakeholders in the restaurants, some, some some community members, and they've adjusted it now so that there's like you can pay month by month if you want mm, installments uh, in installments. And as I understand it, that's I mean, and I'm not privy. I wasn't privy to those conversations, right? This is all sort of secondhand. As I understand it, um, that uh, compromise was actually between the residents and the restaurant owners mm-hmm. to say like the, re- the residents said, well. We want you to invest. We want the city to invest these things, and the city said we can't invest those things unless we get the following fees. And then they came to this solution, mm-hmm. which both includes the installment plan, but also a hardship fee for the restaurants that actually are having a hard time. Because the reality is, at this point in the pandemic, what's going on this summer is that those restaurants are doubling their capacity. Right. Yeah. It's not. They're not actually losing. Mm-hmm. In, in in past years, they hadn't been able to fill the restaurants. Now. With the restrictions off, the restaurants are doubling their capacity, which means you know restaurants run at scale. If they're able to, if they're able to make more profit, they're doubling their capacity, and again, they're doing it using public goods, using mm-hmm. the sidewalk, using the streets. Now, is it the like I should say like I'm actually someone who really supports outdoor dining. Mm-hmm. I love going to Europe, and I love in those those spaces where that's prioritized. But that's all like. When you have a patio in Europe, mm. you're paying the city for your patio. There's yeah. an understood – it's understood that you're actually getting access to a public good, and it's par- and the city is prioritizing it. They're making pedestrian streets. But that's expensive. If you wanted to make Hanover a pedestrian street or a one-way street, as they're proposing, that requires adjustments to the other infrastructure around yeah. – pe- because people have, have created a reality mm-hmm. around the infrastructure as it is. Right. I have one other question that Ali, if you want to ask about, you know, some of the negative sort of economic impacts, uh, that'd be that'd be good. So, in, in terms of this uh, this lawsuit, you had restaurant owners threatening to sue. We're gonna, you know, so in terms of the legal issues, the property law issues, uh, w- what would you sue for? How? Do, I mean, it sounds like the city has more or less an absolute right to control what's going on with those sidewalks. W- w- what kind of legal issues could these restaurant owners try to try to use? 
if well, any. So as I understand it, the ordinance was written relatively carefully. So it would be true if they were charging you for outdoor use of on private property. Mm -hmm. That would be a problem, right? right? Like, uh, as I understand it, that's not that, that it's only that the fee only applies to the use of the sidewalks and the use of the street. Um, so that, that's that's one thing. So as I understand it, that issue is not there. So I'm not sure there's a property issue there. I've heard some uh, like equal protection arguments yeah. mooted. Uh, there again, I'm just not sure that has any that has any real play. Like people have talked about it as punishment because the North End residents or the North End restaurant restaurant folks are like not. Mayor Wu's like political allies. Yeah, I suppose you might be able to make some argument there. I, I honestly, that doesn't feel like what's going on here. No. I feel like there's a particular problem on Hanover Street. Yeah, which is that it's very crowded and there are costs to its crowdedness, yeah. and that's not the sort of thing that causes that raises an equal protection problem right. either under the Massachusetts or federal constitution. So just following up on that uh, briefly, so I have heard these conversations about you know is there an equal protection issue? So looking at the the, the con law aspect of this, on the one hand. Uh, as I remember, you know, you, you need to be able to show that a protected class is not being treated the same way. I don't know that, you know, owning a, a restaurant in the North End is a protected class. You know, I've also heard, well, you know, these are, uh, you know, all Italian Americans. I, I don't know how that plays. And, you know, at the same time, I think the political point, you know, that, I mean, look, these are, you know, blue collar mom and pop restaurants. These are not really Mayor Wu's constituency, I think, for the, for the most part. Uh, is there any, are there any wind in the sails of the equal protection case or does it seem like you don't really have the elements? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think it's not irrational. Yeah. Uh, if you are someone who feels as if you are not political, you're not Mayor Wu's political ally yeah. and that she is treating you differently than she would be treating other folks. Um, it's not irrational to feel as if there's some inequality there. It's not also, it's not even impossible to imagine that the political calculus around this is, you know, she feels like the residents of the North End are more um, sympathetic to her. I mean, that's how politics works, right? Mm -hmm. we, we see this all the time. Is there an actual constitutional claim there? No, no. I mean, yeah. certainly yeah. being a restaurant owner is not a protected class. Um, if there were, if it were just malicious, if there were no other reason for doing it, if it were just malice or just mm -hmm. animus, that could be a problem. Mm -hmm. um, if it were true that you could show that she was doing it because they were Italian, because they were Italian-American, that could be a problem. It's not the case. Yeah. I, I also just want one other point. You know, the narrative that these restaurant owners are blue-collar mom-and-pop, now some of them are, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's also true that some of these restaurants are extremely profitable enterprises. Some, of, so, them are, some of these people own a lot of restaurants. Some of these people yeah. own a lot of restaurants. They're making a lot of money. Right. Even if they are, in fact, mom-and-pop businesses, they're right. actually extremely profitable mom-and-pop businesses. They're right. putting people in the top 5 1% of earners. These, these are, it's not the case. We're not talking about, you know— your scrappy little businesses. These right. are these are restaurants on one of the most valuable pieces of restaurant real estate in the country. Right. And most of the restaurant owners, if you ask them, like you ask them, you know, in private, would say, "Yeah, we got the seventy five hundred bucks to pay. We just don't want to." Right. And and now the and now the 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 new ordinance or the new um, the new regulation uh, seems to make account for those who can't, right? So I don't think, I think that that narrative that fits into a kind of narrative about like, oh, the elite right. versus the mom and pop. And the problem with that is that, is that has a racialized tinge also, mm -hmm. which is that these are all white small business owners mm -hmm. who are actually making quite a lot of money and, and labeling themselves as blue collar and oppressed has a, and as Mayor Wu's constituency as the, as the sort of other 
and Mayor Wu's constituency is much more diverse, um, and she herself is not white. I just think there's a we got to be careful about how we do those label, how we how we think about those labels, and who's mm-hmm. claiming what label, and who's claiming to be oppressed, and how. Because I think there's some of that going under the surface here as well. So from from a sort of political game, less than a constitutional one. Do you think that you know if the North End was full of these large national chains, would would this ordinance look any differently? Like if it was just Tate's down the line. Do you think that this ordinance would look any different? So it's an interesting question. I think, you know, I don't know. Again, I don't I'm not an expert in the yeah. in the internal workings of um, the Boston City Council that are at play here. So there could definitely be dynamics in the North End community that are driving this, that are meaning that this is harsher than it would be in other contexts. My first intuition is that the fine would be more. Or the fee would yeah. be more. I, I should use my own terms. The fee would be more because Tate could pay more, right? That you know, seventy five hundred bucks is actually not that much, you know, for for a, a a large a large firm, a large company that has that has like a bigger sort of like war chest, right? right. So, you know, if I were the mayor and I was trying to get more money for all the services that I wanted, and it was all au bon pens, as you know, Harvard Square used to be, I would charge them more mm-hmm. because I could get more out of them, right? Um, so it could go in either direction, right? It may be that the mayor's office is completely captured by Tate, in which case, like, there would be, there's no fees because they, they're just completely captured by Tate. I doubt that that's true, yeah. right? Um, and I just think you could go in either direction, right? Do you think this is applicable to other neighborhoods in the city? Like, because, you know, rat problems, littering problems, that noise problems, like, that exists in all outdoor dining spaces. Yeah, it seems like the North End's being singled out. Well, so the North End, so you could argue that the North End is being signaled, signaled out because it's the North End, or you could say the North End has a unique set of circumstances. So the North End streets are narrower than any other streets mm-hmm. in the city, and the density of restaurants on Hanover Street is higher than any other place in the city. So we have to ask the question, if we're just talking about like create, like like collecting fees for that are that are required to deal with the infrastructure uh, problems uh, that we're dealing with, the North End has a particular set of of circumstances uh, that justify differential treatment. I mean, I mean, this is the point: is like if you look at the neighborhoods in Boston, there's differential treatment everywhere, right? There's different. Some places they collect trash twice a week. Some places they tow you if you're parked there. Some places they don't. Go to Roslindale. The way that the way that the public space is regulated in Roslindale is very different than the way that public space is regulated in Alston. The way the public space is regulated in the Back Bay, right? Mm-hmm. It, these are really different places with different needs, and the city, by and large, has always regulated differently in those places because of the different needs. So because of that. That's like the most that's the most obvious explanation for what's going on here is a particular set of circumstances with a particular response. Now, is that ruling out the fact that the somebody in the mayor's has mayor's mayor's office has has it in for the North End? No, but I just don't think that 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 that, that like that's not the first and most obvious right. answer to what's going on here. Um, my last question I want to ask about, about dining, and then I want to move on to this this protest issue. The seventy five hundred dollar figure, I guess when it comes to a city enacting a a fee for something like this, uh, how do they arrive at seventy five hundred dollars? Is there a legal requirement that you need to be able to show that that's like reasonable? Is, is there some economics that need to go on to figure? Okay, if we're gonna have to pay for sanitation, or we're gonna have to pay the you know, you know the upkeep and, and cleaning this area, et cetera. How do you arrive at that? And, and just from a legal perspective, is there a requirement that that fine, that amount that they arrive at, is 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 reasonable, and you, know, you have to be able to, to demonstrate that, or is that not the case? Well, I think I mean, as with any any regulation, is going to have to meet sort of a basic rationality threshold that there's a that there you can come up with a reason for doing it 
it's just a very easy threshold to meet. In this instance, I think it's a very easy threshold to meet that they're, you know, the cost of services are X. Um, the, you know, the, the cost of upkeeping the street is Y. The cost of upkeeping the sidewalk is Z. And in fact, 7500 bucks for the restaurants from the restaurants is only contributing some fraction toward that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just I just don't think the city would have any problem. I mean, in fact, as I was arguing sort of at the very beginning, in fact, the city subsidizes lots of things that we don't pay full price for. Right. Right. So um, the city has cities have a lot of leeway mm-hmm. in terms of thinking about licensing, thinking about um, thinking about fees that 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 I, I just don't think that the, the, the threshold of rationality is not one. That's hard to meet, and okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it here. Now, does it feel punitive? Sure, I'm sure it does. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean it is punitive? I'm not sure. Even if it was punitive, even if that was the goal, the city has a lot of leeway, at least as a matter of law, to be punitive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, think about think about how the how the city and the state restrict access to uh, liquor licenses, right? Um, you could argue that that's a totally punitive structure. It's very hard to get a liquor license. Who you are, who you know, all those things matter, right? Those that's all that's all real, right? But does that mean that the city's not allowed to restrict access to liquor licenses? No, they 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 they're allowed to. Uh, moving ahead to the the protest issue, so uh, Mayor Wu has been the recipient of uh, a lot of folks uh, protesting in front of her home. People who are upset about vaccine mandates and. Uh, various things. My understanding is these people were, you know, be, be in the street in front of our house early in the morning, um, you know, protesting. And so an ordinance was was passed with the city council. It was uh, enacted into law uh, by the mayor that, as I understand, curtails the hours in which those protests can occur. Uh, a lot of folks are uh, upset about that. And, you know, from what I understand, you know, sort of thinking back to my to my con law class, you know, you think, okay, well, this this is a group of people exercising their First Amendment uh, right to, to protest. They're on public property. I mean, this seems like uh, the, the government, in this case the municipality, the city of Boston, saying you can't exercise that right on public property if it's in front of private property between these hours. It seems like that could be a, a problem, is it? Can you, can you tell us more about that and what specifically this ordinance does? So can I predict with absolute certainty that a court will uh – say that it's not a problem? No. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you what the cases have said in the past? Yes. And the answer is it doesn't seem very problematic. It seems like it's actually been drawn, the ordinance has been drawn quite carefully looking at prior precedent to avoid any problems under prior precedent. So there's a distinction, right, between banning speech in, mm-hmm. public, in public spaces and restrictions on time, place, and manner of speech and protest. Mm-hmm. And the court has, generally speaking, been quite permissive about restrictions on time, place, and manner. So, you know, in Illinois, for instance, there's no protesting outside people's homes. Even if you're on public property, you can't protest on people's, like, outside people's homes. Um, think about, like, you know, are you, if, if you want to have a, a march, you have to get a permit, right? There's all sorts of ways in which it's not true that you get to say whatever you want, whenever you want. Uh, what the city can't do is say, you may not say, you may not say these things because you're saying things we don't like. And they can't say you may not say them at all. Mm-hmm. So in fact, by restricting it to from nine to nine, I think is the is is what the ordinance says. They're they're allowing for speech to happen. They're not restricting it based on its content, but they are restricting it uh, in its in in sort of like they're restricting the time, place, and manner as a sort of public public safety police power. Uh, 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 framework and and uh, as I say, can I predict to you with certainty that the that a court would not find that problematic? No, because you're right. There are First Amendment feelings involved here, mm-hmm. but 
uh, just in terms of what the case law says and how this operates within the sort of constitutional framework, it's not problematic on its face. In fact, it's clearly been written by lawyers who've read the cases carefully to make it not problematic on its face. Could you not argue that while not directly banning the the manner of or what they're talking about, what the protest is about, that they are kind of indirectly curtailing protest against stuff the city wouldn't be look the the city doesn't agree with because the only people who are protesting in front of Mayor Wu's house are people who are adversarial to Mayor Wu. Right. And so so there's definitely a flavor of that, right? And and that will always be true with any time, place and manner restrictions. So anytime you're past anytime anybody passes a restriction on protest, the people it's the people in power passing the restriction on protest, mm-hmm. right? And they're the ones who would be subject to the protest. So there there's always going to be a flavor of that, right? And here we've got a there's a particular group of people that are targeted by it who have a particular who are saying something that is opposed. So you could argue, I, I'm not saying, I'm saying if, if I was a lawyer, I would make this argument. I am a lawyer. If I was a lawyer for, <laughs> for the protesters, I would make some version of this argument that really this is about targeting a certain kind of speech. It's just, that's not how this has generally worked, right? Like that's not how these, like the whole point of having a, a, a neutral, content neutral time, place and manner restriction is that it says you may say what you want, but only in within these boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And as I say, whenever you've got a, uh, somebody in power making such a restriction, they're restricting protest against them because they're the ones in power, and the protest will, by and large, be targeting them. Mm-hmm. So I just it's not it's not unique in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. There, how else would it ever be, right? right? You wouldn't you can't imagine a situation where like the somebody in power is restricting protest. Of people they like, right? right? You know, that, or you could imagine it, but, but, but by and large, the, the 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 that argument doesn't feel, at least in the current case law, doesn't feel like there's a lot of purchase. Again, you'd have to show that there's some kind of animus, some kind of mm-hmm. bad action in the background. And I think Mary Wu's been really open about what's what she's doing. She's saying, "I have neighbors, and mm-hmm. you can yell all you want, but just let us have let us have uh, eight hours of sleep." That's basically what she's saying, and like. That's completely consistent with all sorts of other kinds of public health regulations that we see all across, all across local governments. It doesn't it doesn't feel like sort of extraordinary in that sense to me. So going off of that point, I guess you know we, we, we can wrap up on this. If I'm the lawyer and I'm you know I, I'm representing folks who want to protest and you know they're 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 upset about this, they're bent out of shape about it, and I want to sue the city. I want to argue this is unconstitutional. What could you do? And I guess what can't you do with the fact, as we've I think sort of somewhat tacitly and somewhat. Uh, not so tacitly acknowledge here that, you know, if this were not, you know, uh, if the circumstances were different, if people were not protesting Mayor Wu, this ordinance would not have happened. I mean, this ordinance is very, it's very clear purpose, very clear reason why this happened is because I'm the mayor. I do not like these particular people protesting in front of my house. I mean, if these were people protesting, you know, in a different time, place, and manner, if the matter of fact, if, if these people were protesting, you know, causes that were a little politically different. Maybe we're protesting, uh, you know, for any number of the things that in the last few years we've seen people uh, protest about. In some cases, these protests have turned uh, violent. There's there, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, over the last few years, different forms and causes that, you know, have been the subject of these protests. And we didn't see an ordinance then, but we're seeing an ordinance enacted for a very specific cause at a very specific place, time, and manner from a very specific group of people who feel a very specific way. Is there anything to be made of that from a legal perspective that you're just punishing us, but you're not really punishing anyone else? Or does that kind of fit comfortably within the within the case law? 
Well, uh, let me say a couple of things. One is that sort of as a matter of broader constitutional law, it's absolutely not the case that there haven't been limits on protests post the Black Lives Matter protests. Right. right? In fact, all in localities all across the country, there have been much more draconian limits on time, place, and manner of protest. Mm-hmm. What about in Boston? Do we know not that? in Boston, but, okay. but I just want to point out as a matter right. of constitutional law. Okay. right? So like if we're looking broadly across the country, there have been many in many localities. There have been much more draconian impositions on when you can protest and how. Um, so that's just sort of like point A. Uh, point B would be: I think if I was their lawyer, I would be arguing that she's singling somebody out. That this is actually content based. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't see it. I honestly, I think. I think that as a matter, if you're just trying to understand what's going on here, yes, it's true that Mayor Wu is is the people who are targeted by this are people who are protesting against her. I guess the question would be, if, the pe- if there were a group of people protesting climate change outside somebody's home um, and she passed this law, would anybody be complaining? Right? Maybe different people would be complaining. I think that law would be uncontroversially under the precedent. We would think of that as law as uncontroversial. So you'd have to make some argument that this law is being passed because of its uh, because she's being targeted and i guess what i'm i guess my 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 argument is that that doesn't that, that doesn't feel like it's clear enough uh that this feels like a normal time place and manner restriction um and again i would come back to what i said to ali like like in fact this is how these kinds of restrictions always happen like they happen because something's happening and that something happening is something that the, that the people who would like to restrict protests want to restrict. And by and large, that's been permitted. Now, we might have disagreements about what the permissible like realms of protest are. And what and so I actually am, am much more of a libertarian in that sense. I think people should have the right to make people uncomfortable. I just is an answer to the constitutional question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it's I think um, I think that's a that's an easier answer. Um, and then we have a, a different moral question, different political question about what forms of protest we want to valorize. I mean, I just I said one more thing is that some of this is coming because of a kind of anger. There's a lot of anger. Right. And the question that we should all be asking ourselves is how should that anger be expressed? And what is the what is the civic space for that expression of anger? Mm-hmm. And. I think the question that I would be asking on that level is, has Mayor Wu restricted the civic space for that anger, that anger in any way that really feels like problematic? Mm-hmm. And I would say no, mm-hmm. right? Because that anger is something that can still be expressed within the time that's been allowed. But also it's not obvious that screaming outside somebody's house is the sort of anger, the sort of political, the sort of political discourse that we should be valorizing just like flatly, we should be asking for ways to bring that anger into our civic discourse, into our conversations about who we should be and how we should govern ourselves. Mm-hmm. And kind of trolling as a as a mode of protest. It's not that it's ineffective. It's not that it's not powerful. It's just that we we do want to make distinctions about how we create civic spaces for people to express themselves. And we always do that. We're always, that's what all, like, regulation is always doing that, mm-hmm. right? And so this is just a version of that. You might disagree with it in terms of its, of its details, but I think if we're asking that question, we have a different, we're having a different conversation mm-hmm. about what kind of civic space we want to have, what kind of civic space we want to prioritize and, and value. Mm-hmm. Ali, you want the last word, brother? Yeah, just uh, just to kind of follow up on that, maybe this is more of a point than a question, but it it, it is interesting because it seems like there's this tension between... Like, I would argue that 
protesting in front of the mayor's house is probably one of the most effective ways to get your point across, as opposed to, you know, just protesting, standing up in Boston Common and screaming whatever you want to scream. Um, and so I think it's an interesting tension between sort of, obviously the state can curtail the most effective forms, the loudest, most explosive forms of protest, but, you know, should they? And and I, I understand that she also, the argument that, you know, she has neighbors and this is a nuisance is, is very valid, but I, I do think that tension is interesting. Well, I, I totally agree. I mean, look, it's, it, it is effective. Um, not everything that's effective uh, is legal. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't actually live in a world where the First Amendment is that fully protective, right? We might argue that we should. Right. But if that were true, then many things like, yeah. you know, for instance, you know, we don't think of it as problematic to say that it's a criminal act to join hands across a freeway. But I mean, why? Right. That's because of a certain way of thinking about public space and regulating the highways. And it goes back to the what we were talking about earlier about actually like we we treat the roads as a as an entitlement as opposed to a service that are provided. You know, so there's all sorts of ways in which forms of protest, some are OK, some are not OK. And we delegate that the question of that to government. Right. And I guess this just feels within that. This is within that. Mm -hmm. so we can disagree about wh what that should look like. But uh, but I don't think it's constitutional, at least under the current doctrine, that, the con that it's a constitutionalized disagreement. It's a disagreement about where we think we should prioritize things. And my own intuition is while it is effective, I'm not sure what it's effective for. Right. So what is the strategy? here yeah. it seems to be a strategy of trolling as opposed to a strategy of building power making change um and you know i'm not sure that politics by trolling is the the way that we're going to move this country out of this kind of like anger yeah. structure um so my own view is that i'm not hugely in support of politics by trolling i would like politics by power building politics by influence um, I, I guess i just had one last question uh, on that we, we, and i'm not sure and I, I want to be careful. I'm not sure if the mayors use the word trolling, but I know there's been a relationship between the mayor and these people that's been a little bit, uh, a little bit, of, a little bit challenging to say the least. Uh, when we look at, you know, if the mayor were to say or officials were to, 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 to look at these folks and, and to frame it as trolling, it, is that not a content-based assessment of what these people are doing? Because I feel like it's hard to. I mean, they argue that they're protesting, and I'm sure other people look at it and say, well, these are these are trolls. These are social media. You know, there's. I guess where do you draw the line between where, where the, the the content and then sort of the legal framework of time, manner, and place? Because it seems like you know either side can try to draw that line uh, to where it suits them. How do you, how do you how do you distinguish? Well, that? I guess let's ask it this way. So what is, and definitely the mayor's not using the word troll. Yeah. That's me using the word. What is the when we are when when one is protesting at two in the morning loudly outside of somebody's home, um, over and over again, um. Is that like when we call it protest, but mm -hmm. there are different forms of protest, mm -hmm. right? There are different ways of speaking, different ways of engaging, different ways of building power, making, creating influence. The reason why you're shouting outside someone's house at two in the morning is because it's two in the morning mm -hmm. and it's annoying, right? That's the reason you're doing it, right? So that's why I'm, I'm not even calling them trolls. I'm mm -hmm. saying that the strategy is a strategy of trolling it's a strategy of of annoying of triggering of 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 channeling one's anger into making other people angry um it's not negotiation it's not engagement it's not even it's going to disrupt your sleep yeah right and so i'm not even saying that's always that's, that's always unjustified it could mm -hmm. be justified right mm -hmm. but i guess what i'm saying is 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 as a matter of constitutional law 
the state and local localities yeah. have always been able to control those sorts of things for nuisance reasons, for public okay. health reasons. As a matter of like, in an ideal world, what do we want our civic spaces to look like? How do we want to create space for people to engage with each other? My suggestion is that that feels like, it's like there's a difference between when you, if you're online and you say something and someone responds to you by trying to trigger you, mm. that's what we call trolling, right? Right. And this feels to me in that mm -hmm. in that genre as opposed to in a genre of productive negotiation, even righteous outrage. Mm -hmm. It feels like it feels like trolling more than it feels like engagement. I guess is my point. Now, again, that doesn't have any constitutional significance. You couldn't ban them from trolling. You can't ban people from trolling. You, it doesn't matter whether they're being totally polite. You could still say you can't be there from nine to nine as a matter of constitutional law. I'm making a different point, which is to say, how do we create civic space that doesn't prioritize protest by trolling and prioritizes a sort of some kind of engagement where we can get somewhere with each other? And and I, I so so I I take the point that people should be allowed to speak, and they absolutely should. There's a separate point, which is how can we be thinking about creating spaces where people can speak to each other and be heard? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, when you're shouting outside someone's window at two in the morning, you're being heard, but it's precisely you're being heard in a way that guarantees that what you say will not be valued. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, a lot of really interesting, you know, political and legal and social dynamics we'll have to continue to pay attention to with respect to both these issues. Uh, this has been the BC Law Just Law podcast. I've been joined by Professor uh, Farman today. I'm Tom Blakely with Ali Shafi. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Professor, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. All right, until me. next time, that'll do it. We'll see you again soon.